0: This is Farah Osbeck. Welcome back to Military Law and Life Matters, the podcast that arms you with knowledge so you don't become a victim of injustice. So happy to be back again um, this Tuesday morning, back with you all and um, continuing on my series. I'm going over cases that I've reviewed from the board for review of uh, the reading room for the services. Again, uh, what I'm doing, I've been doing it for um, a month or so now, but I'm going through cases and kind of discussing the cases online. I'm picking one from every service and and talking about it and explaining, giving my opinion as to why it was denied or granted. Um, and, you know, doing a variety of different types of cases to give you an idea. So hopefully, um, goal is so you can, you know, get an idea by listening to these cases. And you can also go online and read them yourself to see whether you have a, a case, uh, that you might have a contention for an issue of impropriety or inequity in your case. And you could do the application yourself and submit it to, to your service. So, um, so we're back to the air force again. So today's case, um, I don't think I've done one like this recently, um, at least in these series, but this is a case regarding an airman, um, who was actually discharged by, by a court-martial. Okay. So he didn't get an administrative discharge. He got what's called a punitive discharge. So at a court-martial, you don't get like a general or an OTH. If you are discharged at a court-martial, you get either a BCD or a, um, dishonorable discharge. This airman. Yeah, it was a special court martial. Okay. So the distinction is a special court, mar- just so you know, um, and people in the military might know this, not everyone, but there's two types of courts martial in the military. One is called a special court martial and one is a general court martial. A special court martial is for offenses that are not considered as serious because the, the most you can get in terms of confinement is one year. It used to be six months actually. So what used to happen is, a lot of cases, um, were considered, well, this guy deserves more than six months. So they would automatically go to a general and years ago they changed the, the, you know, MCM where they made it actually a special can get up to one year in jail. So that made a lot more cases fall into the special court martial category and it distributed a little bit better, um, so anyway, he went he his charges were referred to a special court martial and he got a, a bad conduct discharge. You cannot get a dishonorable discharge at a special court martial. So he got what's called a punitive discharge. It's a lot worse than a general or a, a general under honorable or other than honorable. Those are administrative, this is punitive. So anyone who sees like a bad conduct discharge on your D214, they'll know if they know anything about the military that you were court-martialed. So what this airman uh, veteran said, he appealed to, he wanted to change that but conduct discharge to an honorable discharge. He wanted to change the narrative reason because it um, says, you know, I guess discharge for court martial. I don't know the exact words that were used on a steed 214, but court martial is definitely on there. Um, and then he wanted to change his reenlistment eligibility code. So not sure if he was maybe trying to reenlist, but he was discharged in 2012. He submitted his application. He had counsel, uh, he had a lawyer actually represents him, but they did a document review. They did not go in person. So what this case is, so, you know, uh, a bad conduct discharge, the only way that can be changed, um, it's actually changed through like a clemency application. So the discharge review board can look at cases where someone got a bad conduct discharge. Of course, the DRB cannot, or even the board for correction of military, they cannot get rid of your conviction at all. You're going to still have a conviction for whatever offense you were found guilty of, but they can, based on the DRB and the BCMR can change a bad conduct discharge to an administrative, so you can say, "Hey, please change my bad conduct discharge to a general under honorable conditions," or "Please change it to an honorable discharge." Um, I probably people don't ask for a change to an OTH because that really doesn't, you know, mean have any significant impact on them really. Um, so they're going to either ask for a general under honorable condition or honorable discharge. So clemency, it's it's you know just like what it means, you know, clemency upgrades are just kind of, well, okay, you've been doing well. And under the circumstances, we're going to upgrade your discharge, you know, just based on clemency, you know, the definition of clemency, we're going to, um, you know, just give you mercy or leniency is what the thing is. Leniency based on everything. In in this type of case, postconduct would really be I think would be important. I think in my years, three years where I worked there, we, I, I remember one case where the young, this young veterans discharge was upgraded from a BCD. I think he might've even gotten honorable. It was one time use of marijuana and there was extenuating circumstances. But other than that, they're not very common type of, um, cases. Um, You know, it it could happen just from my memory, at least when when I was on a board, I don't remember um, a case like that, but anyway, um, but it's certainly possible. So don't want to discourage you. It doesn't mean you'll never get a change, but there's gotta be a lot of really good things in your record to show why you, you know, that punitive discharge should go away, but getting to, um, let me actually tell you what he was convicted of. Okay. So he, first of all, let me tell you, he, they DRB unanimously voted to deny it. What's interesting is, um, he had a special court martial for violation of Article 112A, which is drug abuse. Um, and then he also had a couple of articles, so two article 15s. The misconduct it says included wrongful use of marijuana, wrongful use of oxycodone on diverse occasions, um, also using ecstasy, failure to go at the prescribed time, so failure to go to whatever an appointment or his duty place and also, and that was as a result of his overindulgence in, in intoxicating liquor. So he didn't show up at work because he was basically incapacitated being drunk. Um, also disrespect in deportment toward an NCO while in the performance of duty, he basically like laughed at an NCO and hung up on him. So that's the summary in this write-up. Um, so it, and it doesn't really say this court martial scene, it was related only to the 112A, but I don't, I'm assuming it was the marijuana and wrongful use of oxycodone. Um, and then he had all the other article 15s I gave you. This. So we had a bunch of stuff going on there. Now, he was deployed to Afghanistan. Okay. He was deployed to Afghanistan. I'm not sure how long, six months or a year. And he actually was diagnosed with PTSD. So he said his discharge was inequitable because he had PTSD. And basically uh, the PTSD is what caused him to do all this stuff. So what the board found was, which why they denied it unanimously with, um, I guess they probably had three members at the time because they, they've reduced the, the number of members they need on a board. So three members probably on this board unanimously denied it. Um, even though he did have PTSD and this is what they said, and I don't have the records, but based on their write up, they said, um, the applicant was discharged for bad conduct due to drug use and prior 15th. However... Um, okay. Actually, this is what the individual is saying. He's saying, yeah, I did all this, but it. I, after I came back from Afghanistan, I had PTSD. I turned to self-medicating by using drugs and alcohol. And because I, I had PTSD, but I didn't go get help because there was stigma of, you know, if I, he was contending that if I went to get help, then it would affect my career. So he didn't get help. And he said, um, you know, again, his misconduct was due to the PTSD and deteriorating mental condition, and he didn't receive adequate treatment. And he says his record again, he's the, the applicant saying, My record shows that prior to the PTSD, I was able to conform to the demands of service, but after I was no longer a model airman. Okay, so now the DRB, the Air Force Discharge Review Board, they, after reviewing all the records, they said they concluded that, yeah, you you know, you, we can't, someone, a veteran can ask for a of discharge to be changed to, you know, like a general or an honorable, but we found insufficient evidence to support this and we could have done it based on clemency. So what they said, they said, we found no evidence of impropriety or inequity to warrant an upgrade of the discharge after a thorough review of the service record and inputs from the board psychiatrist. So remember, whenever there's a contention of PTSD or mental health condition, the board has to, by statute has to have either a psychiatrist or a psychologist on that board. So one of those three members have to be, you know, a psychiatrist or psychologist. So PhD or MD in psychiatrist, cause that person's going to view the records and they could, you know, explain to the board, Oh, this is what he was diagnosed with. And this is what it was, you know, cause a lay person is not going to understand all the, in, you know, the details of that. So, but what the board said was the evidence, um, there. so the psychologist or the psychiatrist on the board said that the applicant was engaging in misconduct and had the unsuiting condition of substance abuse prior to his deployment, prior to the second round of substance abuse treatment, prior to his family adequacy involvement, prior to the onset of his legal issues, and prior to the onset of PTSD. The app, the records indicate applicant substance began as early as 2005 when he was first referred to ADAP and the DRB found no conclusive indication that any mental health, um, issues had a direct impact on the applicant's misconduct. Um, so, okay, so here's a case that, you know, how I say the, the, will the CURTA memo and all these DOD memos, it's not black and white that if you have PTSD and there's misconduct that you're going to get your discharge upgraded. Like I've always say that it's not an automatic thing. Facts determine the outcome. So in this case, and this, you know, recently decided, and even though there's a lot of attention paid to these PTSD case, like, again, like this was decided in August. Well, I guess the lawsuit's you know the, the services are getting sued left and right now, saying you're not treating you know veterans correctly. They had PTSD, and the boards are ignoring these DOD memos. But this board, um, you know, as recently of August, a couple of months ago, basically said, "Well, he had all the, a lot of this stuff prior to his deployment." So you can't attribute that to the PTSD. He had this even before. So that's why, you know, in cases like this, they do a time. I know when I have cases like this, I always create a timeline for my client and say, okay, when did you get the PTSD? When were you deployed? Because you always have to show that the stuff, all this misconduct happened after your PTSD or mental health condition, right? So if you were deployed and you're claiming it's, asserting that your PTSD, your mental health issue TBI occurred based on your deployment. But if all, if like nine tenths of your misconduct occurred prior, you just don't have a good argument here. They didn't, you know, they summarized it. They didn't necessarily like lay out the dates, but you know, they have tons of these cases, so they don't go into every little detail, but the DRB, whoever wrote the, the, summary basically said, you know, we looked at it and even the psychiatrist or the psychologist on the board, you know, concluded that all that, you know, looking at the dates of the PTSD, this stuff was happening prior, way prior to him even deploying. So that's why they denied his application. Again, um, the timelines are really important when you're doing this. So if you have a bunch of misconduct, cause all, every time I see these like advisory opinions, you know, the psychologist on the board, you know, if they do an appeal, like, okay, there's five different things. This, you know, person did this airman did. Okay. Number one. Okay. Attributable to PTSD. Number two, attributable. Number three, oh, no, this is not related to PTSD. This has nothing to do with PTSD. So they like analyze these and not only do they look at the type of offense, but when it occurred. So if something is just not related to PTSD, um, I mean, let's say, I'm, I'm going to just make an example, like someone like detailed, wrote this false travel voucher or something and they, you know, went painstakingly through their app, their voucher and, you know, looked at everything and, and then just kind of inflated their, um, you know, what was due to them. And, you know, someone's like doing that on paper. So they don't, you know, a board probably would, they would not find that was related to PTSD. They look at PTSD more like the self-medicating, you know, they're suffering. So they drink or use alcohol or they're like mouthing off and telling people off because they're like stress have anxiety. But if you're like meticulously planning something, that, you know, again, I don't think it's, that's a black and white science either. Cause I am not a psychologist or a psychologist, but the, I know that's how the boards look at these things. And the, and the psychiatrists or psychologists on the board would give input as to whether they think something is, you know, related to PTSD or not. So, yeah, you know, the, here's a, a good example of a case where the board denied it unanimously saying, you know, you did all this stuff prior to deployment, you know, maybe one thing happened after. So they found I'm just assuming they found the majority of of the things he did was like way before he even deployed, he was having alcohol issues, et cetera, prior. So anyway, that's this case. Like, you know, PTSD does not automatically equate to you're going to get your discharge upgraded, which I've said, before now you know the board in the write-up they told the applicant that if you can provide additional information to substantiate your contentions of course you can then make your personal appearance again remember i always say this you have 15 years to make a personal appearance personal appearance used to be like you go in person now it might be like zoom type of thing which i've done with the air force like a zoom call where you could see the board members um but yeah so he he has a chance to do that personal appearance to or with the lawyer maybe to like do the timeline to see if maybe the board was right like boards not are not you know always a, they make mistakes but you know this board pretty detailed say well this guy had issues before so that's why they didn't upgrade it so that's a, a good case for you i i don't think i've done one like this again where you know there was ptsd diagnosis but a lot of that misconduct happened before he even developed it so it was denied um, yeah. So interesting case for you. I hope that gave you some, a little teaching point uh, remember, like if you're contending PTSD, prepare a timeline or if someone's helping you, I, that's what I always do. I like, I do a timeline of exactly, you know, from when they came in, the things you have to look at is when the onset of when, and when was the deployment, if it's again, based on the PTSD, when was the onset of the PTSD symptoms, et cetera, when was the misconduct? And then you do a timeline, and then you argue like this all occurred after. If it all occurred before, like good luck, you're probably got no chance. So, anyway, that's the case of the airmen. So who knows? Maybe he'll have some more evidence and can pre- present. um, You know, I've I've helped people, um, veterans who they they're applications were denied because maybe they did it on their own and didn't know what they were doing. Well, no, this guy had a counsel, but as an example, and then I've helped them on appeal. So it's not a loss cause if you were denied initially, you know, your case can't just because you lose on the document review doesn't mean you're going to lose on the personal appearance. Now he did have a lawyer. So I'm assuming the lawyer knew what they were doing to prepare a good case, but I don't know. Um, all right. So that's the case of the airman. Um, hope he's doing well. Cause I mean, regardless, he does have PTSD. So, um, but yeah, he got denied everything. All right. So, um, to the life uh, matter is part of the podcast, which is also a favorite part of mine. So this is, um, this is a quote by Tim Ferriss. I don't know if you heard of him, but it's F E R R I S S Tim Ferriss. He's, um, He's famous for uh, two things. He has a very popular podcast. I listen to some of his episodes when there's guests I like. He also has a very popular best selling book called The Four Hour Work Week, um, which I read. That was really good. Um, and uh, yeah, he he's really neat. I I love his and he has blogs and things like that. But a lot to learn from him. You should check him out to see if you have any interest in reading his books or listening to his podcast. So he, he interviews all different types of people. So it's not just like one area. And I, I just listen to the ones where I have an interest in the topic. So, but what Tim Ferriss said is he said, someday is a disease that will take your dreams to the grave with you. So someday, yeah, that's the word. You know, sometimes we say, well, someday I'm going to do this someday. I'm going to do this. And then someday never comes and you die. So it, you know, that's why I really like that quote, uh, or the, the little, not the logo, but the just do it, um, expression that Nike, was like a symbol brand for them. Yeah. Just do it. Like if you have a, you know, thing, you, something you want to do a dream, like just do it, like, especially just start it. I find that starting is the hardest part. Once you start it, then you know, you can start get going, but again, it could also be one of those things where you're like, yeah, I want to do this, but you really don't. Because again, I always say this, it's not a hundred percent, but if someone really wants to do something, I truly believe they will find a way to do it. If you're not doing it, it means you probably deep down don't want to do it. And it just sounds cool to do it, but you don't because you know. um, if you really want to do it you will make an effort and find a way to do it so that's that's again a little tangent i went to but if you really do have some something you want to do like don't say someday because someday you're going to be 80 years old and that someday dream you had when you were 30 and 40 will never happen and you'll have regrets like life it's really bad when you're old and you have regrets so don't let that be you don't have regrets like if you have something you want to do pursue it um just do it um and uh you know, and then you won't, you know, you will say, yeah, this is what I did. And you won't regret it and say, well, I used to say someday and someday never came. And I wish I did it. So I hope you like that. I think it's a really good one. It's very simple. Someday is a disease that will take your dreams to the grave with you. So don't be the person who's going to talk about that and say, I always said someday I'm going to do this and never did it. And now I'm 90 and I'll never be able to do it. Yeah. That would be sad indeed. So Anyway, I hope you liked that. I hope that was helpful. Um, really enjoyed talking to you about the case of the airman and the Tim Ferriss quote. Um, yeah, that's it for today. And as always, never, ever give up because there is always hope. I look forward to talking to you next time. Take care.